We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, We're going to read a good chunk of scripture. So if you've got your Bible, maybe get it out. Um, It will be up on the screen, but if you're like me, I like to follow along in my Bible. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church was a church that he had planted, um, but they'd run into some some issues. It wasn't this nice, neat, little, perfect thing chugging along, um, but there was some sexual immorality and there was um, there wasn't unity, and they were they were fighting against the culture of the day as well. And so he was writing to address some questions they had and some issues that that had popping up for that for that church community. So that just gives you a bit of a a grid. So we're going to read the whole of chapter two. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world... But the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. Someone say, hallelujah. Man, just stop there. You have the Spirit of God, which enables you to understand the things of God. We need to remind ourselves of that. Verse 13, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but himself is to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ." But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. 
I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you are not ready. For you are still of the flesh, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? We might stop there. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and in this whole chapter, and then it even goes into verse 3, he starts to make a distinction that there are different types of people in the world. There's a natural person, and, and a natural person, they don't know Jesus. They're completely oblivious to the fact that God exists and and he's real and he can have a relationship with you. It's just not on their grid. So there's natural people. And then he talks about um, immature or um, spiritual infants. Um, The New King James Version talks about carnal Christians. Um, And carnal Christians... Uh, that's the Greek word sarkikas, sarkikas. Everyone say sarkikas. Okay, and this refers to a person who is saved but under the control of animal appetites. Okay, so they've, they've made a decision to follow Jesus, okay, but they're still governed by their natural desires, by, by, the, by their flesh, Does that make sense? A person who is governed by mere human nature and not by the Spirit of God. All right, so Paul's Paul's identifying this. He's like, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. That word, their flesh, as carnal people, um, as infants in Christ. How do we recognize a carnal Christian? Paul's like, for while there is jealousy, and, and what, what else does he say? Strife among you. Are you not of the flesh, behaving in a, in a, in a human way? So Paul identifies immediately. There's jealousy. There's strife. There's often pride. Uh, immature Christians often cause dissension. They're having fights over silly things that don't actually matter, right? Uh, Easily offended, quick to criticize, self-preserving, self-promoting, often stuck in cycles of sin. Uh, If you look at what they feed on, often it's a diet of worldly things, not of spiritual things. What are they giving themselves to? Um, they often, carnal Christians, they can regurgitate scripture, but they don't apply it. Remember, Jesus said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. We don't actually look at what people say. We look at what people are doing. That's how we tell, right? Um, they feast on the revelation of others rather than receiving their own revelation from the Lord. Uh, They spend little time in the secret place. They're blown about by every wind of doctrine, right? This is how you recognize. 
um, what a carnal Christian might look like. They're shaken by the circumstances of life. Up and down, up and down. You know, was that the life of Jesus? Was he like up and down, having these emotional highs and lows throughout his life? Like, no. Did Jesus encounter hard times? Absolutely. But, but he lived in this reality of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? He was, he was like this. N- none of this, whoa, being thrown around. All right? So, so Paul recognizes there's, there are actually people who are saved, but they're infants in Christ and they're carnal still. And then Paul also recognizes there's spiritual Christians. And this is the Greek word pneumaticus. Greek lesson, pneumaticus. It's a person who is saved and filled with and governed by the Spirit of God. All right? Person who is saved and filled with and governed by the Spirit of God. How do we recognize those, those people? They're a student of the Word. They're self-feeding. They feed themselves. Um, spiritual Christians don't actually, they will come to church, but they're full They're not coming to church as a survival mechanism. They're coming because they've been feasting on the word and they come and they're full and and things get confirmed because they've been listening to the Lord during the week, right? And they come and they come and they they, um, encourage one another and they stir people up. Um, So they're self-feeding. They prioritize time in the secret place. They practice love towards others. What did Jesus say? John 13, 34. A new commandment I've given unto you. Love one another as I have loved you. By this the whole world will know know you're my disciples by the love that you have one for another. You know, the, the mark of maturity is not can you drive a demon out or heal someone. The mark of maturity is love. Do you love like Jesus loved? What does your love look like? Remember, love is patient and kind. It does not envy. It is not rude. It is not proud. It is not self-seeking. 1 Corinthians 13. That, that's, that's how we, we recognize, am I, am I actually growing up in my faith? Am I growing into this spiritual Christian that is governed by the Spirit? These are some of the things that you're looking for in your life. Ah. Uh, Spiritual Christians, they seek to protect unity. They see others according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. They're able to discern between good and evil. They walk in the authority of Jesus. They seek to contribute building the church and reaching the lost. They're steadfast in all circumstances. You'll see them go through storms. They're not talking about the storm. They're still talking about Jesus. <laughs> Sadisha's laughing. She, she's learning. You see, Sadisha is growing up. 
And she's learning how to live this way. She's learning how to live as a spiritual Christian. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord for what he's doing in your life, Sadisha. And at the moment, the Lord is shaking the church and calling his followers into a place of maturity because he's looking for people who can govern in the spirit and bring his kingdom to the earth. Carnal Christians and infants in Christ can't govern anything. They can't even govern themselves. How can they how can they then see what's happening in the spirit and actually start to establish and advance the kingdom? They can't because they're stuck in their carnal little world. So Paul was, was saying to the Corinthians, I have spiritual things to impart to you, but I can't because you're still carnal. And a lot of the church, I'm not pointing my finger at anyone in the room at the moment, but, but like what the Lord is doing to the church, he's like, guys, grow up. It's time to grow up. You can't remain carnal. You can't, like, it, it just means that you come to church on a Sunday, but it's not actually affecting the world. You know, it's important to realize that all of us will go on a journey of growth. Yes, there'll be a moment where you say yes to Jesus, I'm going to follow you. But then it's like, then you grow. There's, there's this, you, you start stepping with the Lord, the Spirit of God comes in you, and you get a choice. Am I going to partner with the Spirit of God to grow me up, or am I going to give myself to just the old way of being? Does that make sense? Um. <clears throat> They've actually, for those of you that are visual people, um, do we have that? Right. I know this is a lot, but for those of you who are visual people, there, there is a thing called the angle scale. And this was introduced because people realized that, yeah, there is a process to people growing up in Christ. Um, and, and typically, this is a simplified version. We're looking at the white side here. This is the angle scale. Typically, um, <clears throat> this is sort of the journey that they go through. So they will, you know, at minus four, that's someone that doesn't know Christ. And they, they start to think, oh, you know, maybe there is a God and, and they just get this positive curiosity and then there's a decision to act on it. There's this decision to have a conversation with a friend um, and then they, you know, they actually repent and they put their faith in Jesus and then, you know, there's this, you know, the next day they're like, oh my gosh, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian now, I guess. Like, what do I do now? They, they head, you know, they head to church and um, you know, then they start like hearing about, you know, there's a different way to live. There's a different way to be. There's this, this Bible here. It's telling me I'm different now and, and I need to do something with that. And then there's, you know, then they learn to hear God's voice and they learn to actually start interacting with this God that, that has saved them. And then, and then the Lord teaches them to steward their lives. And then, 
you know, they get to a point where they start to reproduce. You know, the Spirit of God transforms them and they start to reproduce. And so on, the, on this side, I've got, I've got the stages that Paul talks about just lined up there. So we can see the natural man, the carnal man, and the spiritual man. Um, and just how that, how that flows through. Um, and then we've just got some plain English over here. Just, you know, people who are exploring Christ, people who are growing in Christ. You know, when you start to step into the spiritual man, like you start to be close to Christ and, and you feel it and you start to think differently. And, and you know, there's this, there's this real work that's happening in your life. And when you get to like number eight, it's like you're Jesus in the flesh, you know, like you are not Jesus, but you look like Jesus. You sound like Jesus. People feel Jesus when they're around you. You have his perspective. You has, you know, you, you are living like Jesus, right? And that's the goal. That's the goal. Uh, there's another one there, which is exactly the same thing. But I just wanted to point this out. See the black lines? See how there's like put black lines in there, sorry, I need a pointer, don't I? I need like a ruler or something. So we have, these are typically where Christians hit a wall. This is where people start to fall away or they, they just hit a wall and they're like, this isn't working. Like what's going on? I, and I think this is really um, important to point out because, you know, they are, like Matt shared, like what happens to these people that are on fire for God one minute and then we just don't see them again? You know, they've, they've hit a wall. So there's been a disconnect. Something's happened, right? So often, you know, a person will make a decision to follow Jesus, but then in the aftermath, they're like, oh, you know, this, this has to look like something in my life and I don't, I don't know that I want to do that. And so they'll hit that wall. Um, another wall that people will hit is like, yep, they're seeing this. I'm in. I'm following Jesus. Um, but, but it's not really working. And often that's because they, they haven't actually connected to this communion with God. And so often people will be like, I've been going to church. I've been doing all the Christian things, Right? But they're like, it's not working for me. And they get frustrated and they're like, well, God, it's not working. And it's because there's this, it's like there's this blockage and they, they can't commune with God for themselves. I feel like once that happens, once we get connected to, to Jesus himself, once we start hearing his voice, once we start reading the word and the Holy Spirit's illuminating scripture and there's this back and forward communication with the Lord, boom, then it, that's where it all starts happening and then we can go. And then there's another wall that happens around about halfway through this spiritual man, becoming the spiritual man where you're communing with Christ and you're getting revelation and, and you know, you're growing up into this spiritual man and sometimes people hit a wall. Why? Because they're not doing anything with what they've been given. And so often... Christians can get 
a feeling of like, okay, I've been in church all this time and, you know, I've got all this stuff and they'll come to church and be like, I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm not getting anything out of this. Guess what? You've been feasting with Jesus all week. You know, there's nothing else to give you. Go and do something with what you've got. You come to stir one another up to love and good works, right? So, (sighs) praise God. So, you know, that gets a point where the spiritual Christian, in order to keep growing, needs to start doing something with what they've been given. So if you're in any of those spots where you've hit a wall, right, I've probably got the answer for you. Hallelujah. Someone say, Hallelujah. <laughs> And if there's any spiritual Christians in this, in this room that's feeling like you're feeling a bit frustrated, guess what? It's probably time to do something. Like, let's get you mobilized. Let's get you like, yeah, come talk to me. Hallelujah. Did you know in the, in the New Testament, the word Christian is there three times? Three times. The word disciple is there 269 times. Right. Christian, three times. Disciple, 269 times. Do you think that's a coincidence? The word Christian was originally used by people who were mocking followers of Jesus. So it wasn't even a term that Jesus gave to his disciples. He wasn't like, you shall be called Christians now, (laughs) right? If anyone wants to be a Christian, come follow me. No, he was like, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he needs to pick up his cross, deny himself, like get it right, Naomi, just deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me, right? In 2021, the Australian census, 43.9% of people identified as Christian. Isn't that crazy? That's nearly half. How many of those are actual disciples of Jesus? It's hard to measure. In the US, they've actually measured this as best they can. Guess guess what their stats are? Christians, 63%. Disciples, 4%. Christians in the US, 63%. Disciples, 4%. I... I imagine that Australia would be very similar, very similar. So there's, there's this disconnect between people like identifying as Christians but not actually following the way of Jesus. You know, what does it even mean to be a Christian? You know, what do people... You know, what are people thinking when they tick the Christian box? 
you know, most people would be like, yeah, like I believe that, you know, Jesus came, he was the son of God. He, he died for the, for the sins of the world and if I put my faith in him, I'll be saved. I'll have eternal life. Like lots of people would be like, yeah, I want to be on that boat. And, and to that statement, we would all be like, yeah, like, yes, we agree with you, Naomi. That's what we believe, you know. But it misses, like, it misses the important part of there's no call to surrender your life. There's no call to actually follow Jesus. It's just a mental thing. Yes, I believe in Jesus. Does that make sense? <clears throat> We've already quoted it, but Matthew 16, 24, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know, it wasn't a call to put your hand up while all eyes are closed and agree that Jesus came to die for your sins. You know, this isn't just semantics. It's important. The Christian is called to become someone who follows Jesus and obeys what he says. Even the word disciple, I feel like sometimes in Christian churches, um, people will be like, who's going to disciple me? You know, I need to be discipled. Who's going to disciple me? But the word disciple, it's a noun. You don't, it's not something you do to someone else. You are a disciple of Jesus. That means the onus is on you to follow Jesus. Does that make sense? We're not actually waiting around for someone else to do something to us so that we can grow into this spiritual Christian. You're responsible for following Jesus. I'm responsible for following Jesus. The church exists to equip you, to help you, to point you, to, to provide spaces for you to follow Jesus. But it's not our job to, to do this magic disciple you. Like, we, like, it's what you do. You follow Jesus. Does that make sense? You know, the crisis of the hour for the church is that we have Christians, not disciples. We have converts, not followers of the way of Jesus. So what do we do about it? Um, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When we look at the life of Jesus, he lived a certain way. And 
this year, I want to help us. We want to talk about the way Jesus lived. And then we want to do it. We want to give ourselves to following the way of Jesus. If, if you're not intentional with the way that you live, you will be formed by the culture around you. We are always being formed. As believers, we either need to be formed into the image of Christ by following Jesus or we'll be formed by the culture around us, by social media, by, you know, what the government's saying and doing, all of that stuff. You will be formed. I would love for you to make a decision today to be formed by Jesus. Sometimes whenever people start to talk about introducing spiritual disciplines or a rule of life, Christians can sometimes have a freak out. They're like, oh, but we're free from the law. We're free from, we're free from all of that stuff. Paul says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And that is something the Lord is speaking very loudly to the church at the moment. Everything's permissible, but not everything is beneficial for you. And so, you know, for me, I'm going to be following the way of Jesus. I'm going to be really intentional, really intentional about what my life looks like every single day. What you do daily matters. It, it's, not, it's not what you do on Sunday morning that will impact your, your whole life. Like, yes, it's an important piece of the puzzle, but it's what you do every single day that will determine your future. Someone said, show me your habits and I'll show you your future. Show me your habits, I'll show you your life. I'll show you what you can expect from your life. And so, um, I want you to start thinking about this like this. We have this poor plant here. Let's just shuffle this forward. I might need a person. Who can help me? Who, who's good with plants, Beck? <laughs> who's a gardener? We need, we need someone that loves... Who, someone's going to come and help me. You know, we have this plant here. Now, if this was in the ground, it's like in the ground and it's like on the dirt... You know, the leaves are, like, down here. Like, it's going to, like, still grow and it's going to sort of try and go all over the shop. But it's quite susceptible to disease because it's, it's on the ground. It'll get dirty. People will tread on it. The kids will come along and they'll be like, oh, what's this little thing? And they'll 
rip off the leaves, you know. It's susceptible to just, just mess. And, but when we introduce a trellis... And we start to, if you just like weave it. While, while Beck, yeah, Beck's going to do the gardening. She's, she's going to do a great job of just weaving it in there. But for this plant, having this structure there, is going to provide it with direction. It's going to help get it off the ground. So it's going to make the plant less susceptible to disease, to injury. The leaves are going to be spread out. They're going to be able to receive more nutrients from the sun. Amazing. Keep going. You're doing a great job there. We've got some little clips if you need to clip it. Yeah, that's great. Just start the next one now. Maybe you can wrap it around a few times. I don't know. I'm not really a gardener. Guys, I killed a cactus. That's, that's how bad I am at the gardening. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to revive it, but I don't, I don't think it's coming back. Um, anyway, this is what, this is what uh, spiritual disciplines, a rule of life will do for you. It provides a structure for you to grow into the image of Christ. When you order your life around the ways of Jesus, it's going to help you live ascended. Remember that word at the beginning of the year? The Lord's asking us to live from a heavenly perspective, seated in heavenly places. Amazing. Thank you, Ben. We need a bigger trellis. We'll just like do this and then just clip this up here. There you go. Doesn't that look better already? Praise God. This is, this is what... This is, this is what can help us. So when we model our lives after the way of Jesus, we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about scripture. We're going to talk about fasting. We're going to talk about um, Sabbath. Ooh. We're going to talk about solitude. We're going to talk about community. We're going to talk about generosity, service. We're going to talk about witness, the things that Jesus did, the way that Jesus lived. We're going to talk about that this year because I, I want all of us to create a trellis for our life so that we can go from 
from wherever we are on that scale that, that I showed you before, I want you going closer to Jesus. I want Christ to be formed in you, right? So that you can be a spiritual Christian, so that you can start governing in the spirit and seeing things according to the spirit and starting to make an impact on the earth for the kingdom of God, right? So that's where we're going. And, and the things that we talk about, they're going to help you do three things. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did, right? That's, that's where we're going this year. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. Should we say that? That's good. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. That's the plan. Um, I'll just finish with this. Has anyone read The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis? Yes, few. So you know what I'm talking about. For those that don't know what I'm talking about, um, The Screwtape Letters was a fictional book that C.S. Lewis wrote, and it's from the perspective of a um, senior demon mentoring a junior demon, okay? So they're letters that this senior demon has written to a younger demon who is learning how to do demon things, okay? So completely fictional but far out. When you read it, you're like, I see this all the time happening in people's lives. Like, what did C.S. Lewis have? He had spiritual eyes to see. Why? Because he'd He'd given himself to the way of Jesus, and Jesus had started showing him spiritual realities that then he was able to articulate in the form of fiction so people could receive it. Does that make sense? Look at the things that God can do when you're a spiritual Christian. How do we know there's not that many um, disciples in Australia? Because Australia is not looking that great right? If, if actually 43% of Australia was disciples of Jesus, this country would be on fire and things would look very, very different. So we want to be some, some Christians that are like, actually, I'm going to follow the way and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to decide that my life is going to look like Jesus's, right? Because we're going to flip that the idea is to flip that. Like, let's get to 10% disciples and then 20% and then 30% and then 50%. Come on. Can happen, guys. Okay, back to the screw tape letters. So, remember, this is a senior demon writing to a junior demon. My dear Wormwood, I am not all pleased that your patient has been turning Christian. Don't think for a second there won't be consequences for this oversight. However, given the circumstance, we can still salvage the situation. Remember, plenty of adults have briefly explored Christianity only to return to our side. This guy's habits, mentally and physically, still lean in our favour. Oh, Wow. 
Like I said, show me your habits. I'll show you your future. Show me your habits. I'll show you who you're going to be in Christ. It's sobering, but it's exciting because there's actually a way. There's a way to live. There's a way for Christians to live that grow us up into the image of Christ and then see us become salt and light in a world that desperately needs it. Hallelujah. Jesus, in um, Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, he said, Come to me, all, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and, and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Many, many believers, they don't have rest for their souls. They don't have peace, right? Jesus is like, let me show you the way. Come to me. I'm going to show you. And it's not going to be heavy. It's going to be a wild ride. But come to me. Structure your life according to the way. And you'll find life. You'll find joy, you'll find peace, you'll find excitement. That's what we want to give ourselves to this year, hey? Uh, Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that there is a way to live. And God, we don't want to be carnal Christians. We don't want to be... We don't want to be people that are infants in Christ that can't actually engage with the spiritual realities. Grow us up, Lord. We pray that you'd help us. We pray that you'd help us to give ourselves to following Jesus and obeying what he said. It sounds so simple. We make it so complicated. I pray that you would uncomplicate it for us this year, Lord, that you'd make it so simple and clear. Help us to find the way. Help us to follow you, Jesus. Help us to become disciples who pick up our cross and follow you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord.